Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, Father God, just thank you for Katie. Thank you for her heart to serve you. And Father, as she opens your word to us this morning, will you please bless her and give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us as a church and give us hearts that are willing to obey what you are saying to us through Katie this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love being here. Like the presence of God is so here, isn't he? Um, thank you so much for leading us in that beautiful time of worship. We just didn't want it to end. <laughs> so as Peter said, the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And in this Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of like a, a load of Jesus's sayings or teachings all about the kingdom of heaven. And then right in the center of these series of teachings, we have the Lord's Prayer. And the way I want us to think about the Lord's Prayer this morning is that it is both a really personal, individual, individual prayer. Oh, say that again. Oh, okay. Um, it's a really personal prayer that we can pray for ourselves. And also it's something much, much bigger. It's about something that's ginormous. So to help us think about this kind of concept of it being really personal, but also a really big story, I want you to, I want you to think about one of my favorite movie trilogies, which is Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Anyone else love the Lord of the Rings? Your hands up. Good. A good few of you. Um, if you don't know the books, if you haven't read the books or you haven't watched the movies, um, this is like a quick overview. So it's basically an epic fantasy adventure story set in this fictional land called Middle Earth and there's this dark lord called Lord Sauron and um, he's trying to find this one ring of power which will help him kind of be the overlord of the whole of Middle Earth and so he sets these dark riders out to find the one ring and so is this story all about that but what happens is the hobbit which is this very like this person that's about the size of a child he ends up with this ring of power and then his adventure his journey is all followed towards mount doom where he has to destroy this one ring in the fires from whence they came <laughs> um, and it's amazing if you haven't seen it do watch it and what I love about this movie is that it's on one level about the really individual, unique story of this huge, epic journey of this tiny hobbit, Frodo. And when it zooms out, it's about this epic story about the whole land of Middle Earth. And because it's the movie set in um, New Zealand, so when it pans out, it's epic. You can get, to, you can, who said, yeah, someone from New Zealand, yes. <laughs> um, and you get to see the mountains and the beautiful landscape, and it's huge. And then you zoom in and it's all about Frodo as well. And I think that's a little bit what we have in the Lord's Prayer. It's both extremely personal and it's something Jesus calls in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. And you can't really pull the two stories apart. So before we begin really unpacking the prayer, I just want us to kind of visualize this. And I'm a visual learner. I find images really helpful in understanding kind of big concepts. And so I've done a very simple PowerPoint. Um, so if we could just have the first slide. Do you love my drawings? They're amazing, aren't they? <laughs> I did um, GCSE art. Um, so when we pray the first line, our Father in heaven, kind of when I was younger, I used to visualize heaven as being this very far away place, you know, completely separate. But if we go to the second slide, 
This is the image we have in the book of Genesis, that God walked in the garden with his creation, that humans and God were not separate. He walked with us. And of course, then humanity declared independence. But of course, you can't drive God out of God's creation. But we did. We pulled away from that intimate, united relationship with God. But what we have, because of God is good, we talked about, we sang about his goodness this morning, didn't we? Because he is good in the whole Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, you have this story of God relentlessly seeking to rebuild his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And then when God comes in the person of Jesus, John the Baptist sees him coming in the distance and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so if we look at the next image, this is what Jesus is doing in his ministry. He's ushering in the kingdom of heaven and by his death and his resurrection, he's made a way to that place of intimacy with God, heaven and earth, literally being restored into its intended purpose, aligned with the kingdom of heaven. So when we pray, it's like we come through into that space immediately. We don't have to strain. We don't have to kind of make that huge effort to, to kind of jump the chasm. God, God has made that way. Jesus has made the way in the cross. And so do we believe that the kingdom has come in Jesus? Yes. Do we believe that the kingdom of heaven has permeated every inch of this creation yet? Not quite yet. But if we look to the next image of what we see in Revelation is that it will be fully restored. And we have that incredible prophecy, don't we, in Habakkuk. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, absolutely and completely, permanently united with God. And the theological word for this is this word telos. This is where we get our word telescope. It means that long view, that fulfillment, that completion of the goal or the aim. And so that is the kind of journey the whole creation is traveling towards, this incredible destiny. So when we zoom out, if we like, and we think about the Lord's Prayer and the kingdom com coming, we have the destiny of the whole creation, and then we zoom in, and it's the same for us, of our personal lives being restored into the likeness of Christ, into our relationship with God, who is our Father. We're adopted, we're, we're brought back into that family, and one day we will see him face to face. Isn't that amazing? Paul puts it like this. He says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer just briefly now. Um, and I want you to have those two perspectives in mind as we go through it. So let's just have a look at the Lord's Prayer on the screen. And we begin, of course, our Father, our Father in heaven. So the first thing Jesus reminds us is that when we pray, we are coming to a person who is our Father. We come to that place made by the cross into intimacy with God who is close, who is closer than our breath. And that's why at the beginning of the passage in kind of verse 7, Jesus says, and when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for when they, they think they can be heard through their many words. 
And the kind of pagan prayer Jesus is probably referring to is the kind of formulaic prayers like magical incantations, or they believe that they had to say the right words in the right order and to get, in order to get, these, get to these gods who were far away and distant and unhearing and unfeeling towards the people. And if we're not careful, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you do kind of, we do tend to fall into that trap of just praying prayers, praying the words, but it's got to be from the heart. It's got to be that heart connection. So Jesus says, when you pray, you are praying to a father who knows what you need before you speak. And he's not saying there, okay, he knows what you're thinking, so there's no point saying anything. I used to think, like, what's the point then? If he knows what I'm going to say before I speak, what's the point? He's saying, your father knows you. You don't need to jump through hoops. You don't need to pray formulas. It's from the heart. He knows you. He loves you. He understands you. He's awake. It's a heaven and earth encounter when we pray. It's so amazing. And words, I think, are just the vehicle. It's like when you're speaking to someone that you really love, you want to get as close as you can to them, right? And so you use your words to draw closer to that person. It's from the heart. Then we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the root, her, root word here being holy. We're praying that in our lives and in the whole of creation, God's name be hallowed, God's name be treated as holy, be given first place. So God is holy, but we're praying God usher this earth and our lives towards this understanding that you are indeed holy. You are the one who has first place. And then we get to that kind of third, second request, sorry. Your kingdom come. It's the most powerful prayer. We are ushering in the telos, the kingdom of heaven here on earth and in our personal lives. And I think if you want to get a glimpse of like, what does it look like then? What would it look like if heaven came to earth? Like, what does that look like practically? And of course, we get a glimpse of it when we look at Jesus. When we look at his life, everywhere he went, there was healing, there was freedom, there was forgiveness, there was justice. And in John's gospel, there is light. Like he literally brings the kingdom of heaven everywhere he goes. He turns on the light. And one of the things that's really encouraged me personally in the last few weeks as I've been thinking about this is the first place he goes to turn on the light is his church. He goes to the temple. And he literally overturns things is the kingdom of com coming is disruptive okay he overturns the tables of injustice of exclusion he says my house will be called a house of prayer because his church is intended to be a light to the nations it's intended to be that place where people come and they see us and they go oh my goodness that's heaven and earth that's god's kingdom come and in those days, the, the kind of people that were being excluded were the women, the children, the poor, the sick. But the kingdom coming is not a place where they're exploited and excluded, but loved and welcomed in. And I just want us to dwell on that story for a minute because I think it's powerful. I think it gives us an idea of what things should look like when the kingdom comes. So we're just going to think about that story of the cleansing of the temple for a moment. And it's in all four Gospels, so we know it's important. We're alerted. Okay, we better take note. It's in all four Gospels. If you Google images of Jesus cleansing the temple, do you know what you find? It's this angry, out of control, angry Jesus whipping people. And I weirdly, in these images, Jesus is whipping women out of the temple. 
and men, but there's women as well. And it's just nuts. And we've kind of used this story to go, oh, well, it's okay because Jesus was angry. If I'm angry, then it's okay. If I'm out of control angry, if I'm violent, it's okay because Jesus was angry and violent. That's not what is happening. He's using a whip to crack the whip to disrupt the, 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 um, the things that are counter to his kingdom. So the whip, the cracking of the whip, just makes a loud noise. And then the animals, of course, flee. They get out of the temple. He's cleaning his house. He's cleansing his house. He's bringing his kingdom. And so it says he overthrows the seats of those who sold doves. Now, the doves were being sold in the temple to exploit the poor. Um, The poor had come to worship their God in the temple and they couldn't afford a lamb, so they bring a little dove and and they kind of bring it to the temple inspectors and they look at it and they go, oh no, sorry, it's got a blemish. You're going to have to buy another dove from the temple at an extortionate rate. And then probably the the dove that they bought would be put back in the box for the other doves sold to someone else. It was hugely exploiting of the poor. So Jesus overthrows the seats of those who sold dove. He disrupts the systems of exploitation in his house. And then he overthrows the tables of the money changers because when you went to the temple to worship God, you come to the temple to to meet with your Lord, to have forgiveness of sins, and you had to pay the temple tax. (laughs) And you had to use a Tyrian shekel. So this was a specific coin that you'd have to change in the temple. And it was of the highest quality silver mined in Tyre, so it was Tyrian. And then on one side, you've got the image of the Roman Empire, the, the eagle, And on the other, you had the image of the son of Baal, the god of the underworld. So Jesus comes in and he's like, what are you doing? My house is meant to be a house of prayer. He turns on the light and he sees exploitation. He sees oppression. He sees the worship of empire and other gods. So he drives it out. When we pray this prayer, it's not passive. It's disruptive. Are we willing Are we willing to allow God to turn on the light for God's kingdom to come in our personal lives and in our house, in our church? Your kingdom come. God, turn on the light. Show me where I am living in a way that is obstructing your kingdom. And then we come to the second half of the prayer. And we turn our attention to the community of believers. You'll see it's all about us. This is not just me personally, but us and and my personal journey. And it's like the zooming in, the zooming in, zooming into Frodo Baggins, right? In the movie. It's zooming into my life and your life. Give us today our daily bread. So it's very beautiful. The first thing Jesus is referring to here, if we think back to the Old Testament, the people of Israel, and they've escaped from slavery in Egypt, and they've passed through the waters, and they go into the wilderness on their way, on their journey, their telos towards the promised land. And God provides them daily provision of manna, this this bread from heaven. And you remember what happened when they hid the manna in their tents? They thought, oh, I need to store up. I don't really quite trust God, so I'm going to store up some manna. Maybe he won't provide for me the next day. Do you remember what happens? It gets moldy, gets filled with maggots. (laughs) And the reason was because God wanted them to come to him every day, to trust him, to draw near to him. And so when we pray, give us today our daily bread, is a prayer that reorientates us to our Father, our Father who loves us. It brings us close to him. We trust you. All we have is yours anyway. We don't need to cling to our money. We don't need to cling to the things of this earth. Um, I've been fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian family. 
Um, and so I, I don't remember a time where I didn't know Jesus. Jesus has always been my best friend, my closest friend, my companion in this life. And um, there was this moment, I was going through the selection process only like five years ago, five, six years ago, um, the selection process for ordained ministry. <laughs> so I'd been like, God, okay, I'm willing. You're going to send me to the church if you have to. <laughs> um, and I went and went through this process. It's like many interviews over two years, basically. And there was this month, and I can only describe it as the, my dark night of the soul. I don't, to this day, don't really understand what was going on. But bizarrely now, I do think it was a gift from God. And it was like for a month, like my faith just didn't seem to be there. And it was like, God, where are you? It was the most terrifying time of my life. And I remember that from that place, just crying out to God, going, I need you. <laughs> I cannot live without you. If this is what life is like without you, I don't want to live it. This is awful. Like, I need you more than breath. I need you more than bread. I can live without money. I can live without friends. I can even live without my health, but I cannot live without you, God. And then after this barren experience, it just, just came back. It was really bizarre. Don't understand it. If anyone has any insight, <laughs> come and talk to me. But I think it was just this, that God was saying, yes, you need me. You cannot do this on your own. And so when I pray this prayer, God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your provision every day. I need your presence. And there's this lovely, um, one of my favorite lines in the Old Testament when Moses is, is speaking to God. And, um, and then he says, he's kind of still in the wilderness. And God says, my presence will go with you. And then Moses says, if your presence does not go with me, do not send me from here. It's like he's saying, I'd rather stay in the wilderness for another 40 years than go into the promised land without you. I have to have your presence. And then we pray, forgive us. Forgiveness is the heart of the kingdom movement. If we think about it, it's pretty central, the cross. You know, it's all about forgiveness. And Jesus is quite harsh, isn't he? In those verses, he's like... If you don't release forgiveness to others, how can your father forgive you? And one commentator described it like this. He said, forgiveness is like opening your hands, releasing forgiveness to others. And it's very hard for God to pour in forgiveness if your hands are clenched in a fist towards someone else. If you this morning are struggling to forgive, if your hands are like this, if your heart is like this, I'd really encourage you just pray with someone. It's, sometimes it's like one finger at a time. <laughs> you know, it's a slow journey and that's okay but pray, God will help you, release forgiveness. And then finally, Jesus acknowledges there will be temptations from the evil one. Does the evil one want the kingdom of heaven to come? Not really. And remember right at the beginning of Jesus's kingdom ministry, he is driven into the desert, into the wilderness by, by Satan. And first, uh, Satan tempts him with bread. He says, turn this stone into bread. And then he tempts Jesus to put God to the test, like wield God's power to your own advantage. And finally, he says, you can have all the kingdoms of this earth if you bow down and worship me. And what we find in the Lord's Prayer is like a weapon, it's like a sword to wield against these temptations that are counter to the kingdom of heaven. The temptation to worship Satan to worship other gods, we pray our Father, hallowed be your name. You alone are holy. The temptation to put God to the test. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And bread, the temptation to trust 
and our own earthly possessions instead of God. So we pray, give us today our daily bread. So there we have it. It's a prayer that helps us to run our personal race with endurance. And it's a prayer that reminds us we are part of something that is cosmic, that is way bigger than us. And what's beautiful is God uses us to usher in his kingdom. So let's just finish. We're going to pray this prayer. And then we're going to stand and we're going to wait on the Lord. We're going to pray your kingdom come in our lives. Um, this is the version in Matthew's gospel. So the wording, just, just a warning, the wording at the bottom is a bit different to what we normally pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So let's stand and let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. Our Father in heaven, you are holy. And Lord, we just invite you now to come, your kingdom come in our lives. God, we're open to you disrupting. God, where we're blind to those things that are counter to your kingdom, would you open our eyes? kingdom come your kingdom come in our friendships in our finances in our health and I just sense that um, God wants to heal Maybe he wants to heal our clenched fists. But if there are things that people want prayer for healing for, then please come forward during this time of worship. And uh, it would be an honor and a privilege to pray with you. Waiting here for you 
Through.